much, Pastor Sharon and worship team. Well, it is my honor to introduce to you today our special speaker for this Sunday. But before I do, I want to give you just a brief sneak preview about where we're going in the next couple of weeks at Kankakee First. Next week, we are launching a brand new sermon series called Let Go. Let Go. And I've already shared it with a couple of you guys uh, what we're, where we're headed. And all of you have said, Andrew, stop stepping on my toes. Don't want to talk about those things anymore. But we're going to do it anyway. And it's going to be fantastic. Let go. If you were with us the last uh, month, the last five weeks or so, we just finished a series called Strongholds in which the Holy Spirit broke through in an incredible way and set so many of us free from strongholds in our life. If you missed any of those messages, we encourage you to go back, check online, check out the podcast, listen to those this week, because God moved in an incredible way. Last month, God released us, set us free from strongholds in our life. This upcoming month, we are going to release back to God some aspects of our life that we simply have to let go if we're going to move forward together on mission and on purpose. What are we going to let go? We're going to let go of our need for control, our need for control. We're going to let go of our root of bitterness in our hearts. We're going to let go of our struggle with shame, and we are going to let go of our right to ourselves our right to ourselves. And I believe God is going to move in an incredible way. You won't want to miss a single Sunday, and we look forward to your uh, presence here. Uh, Also, September 10th is an extremely important day in our calendar. Already announced that that is Baptism Sunday, but I also encourage you to mark your calendars because in addition to Baptism Sunday, it is also Vision Sunday at Kankakee First. It will be the kickoff to our five-week series on the mission, vision, and core values that God has laid on the hearts of the staff and the board and of myself as we move forward into the coming years. So September 10th, Vision Sunday, Baptism Sunday, God is going to move in an incredible way. So if you have friends or neighbors or coworkers or family members or strangers in your life that need Jesus, bring them here on September 10th. Because I really do believe that God is going to break in and do something special right here at Kankakee First. Amen? One other announcement. Uh, announcement before I introduce our speaker. Uh, I failed to mention during our announcement time that our teen beach party has been moved to uh, the youth room today. Is that correct, uh, Pastor Brandon? Uh, the weather has not cooperated with us. There is the threat for storms. So rather than send you out into a lightning storm on the beach, uh, we've decided to do it here at the church. That'll be 2 o'clock uh, to 4 o'clock. Uh, guys and gals, uh, girls bring snacks, guys bring drinks, and we'll have a wonderful time together right here at the church for our uh, teen beach day. If you're a teen at heart, you're welcome to, and we would love to have you uh, at, that, uh, at that time together. Well, it's my honor to introduce to you today our brother and friend, Pastor Gary Gerstenberger. Uh, Go ahead, give him a round of applause. (laughs) Pastor Gary is no stranger to our church. If you've been around for a number of years, Pastor Gary has served for almost four years as our young adult and college uh, age pastor and did incredible ministry uh, with that group of students. Uh, Before that, Pastor Gary served for nearly three decades in youth ministry on churches all over the Olivet uh, region. Uh, Most recently, before coming here, Pastor Gary was the youth pastor at Indianapolis Westside and grew and developed one of the most thriving youth groups on our region, uh, a group that continues to develop and grow even to this day. 
Uh, Pastor Gary and his wife Renee are both full-time uh, uh, staff members at Olivet Nazarene University. They have been friends of the university and friends of this church for so many years. And Pastor Gary, it is a real honor uh, as your friend and as uh, a fellow uh, member of the body of Christ to have you come and share the word uh, with us today. I believe that God is going to speak in an incredible way uh, through you, and we look forward to what God has in store. First Church, would you show some honor and respect to our friend, our pastor, Gary Gerstenberger. Thank you. So th throughout history, uh, man has tried to seek God. He's trying to find him. He's tried to understand him. He's tried to learn to follow him. And I think sometimes of all the stories that we know that come from Scripture, uh, some of those individuals and the great stories that they have, it would be kind of interesting if you think about Noah and we think about uh, Abraham and Moses and the disciples. They had no idea how God was going to work. See, we have the Bible to look at and kind of go, yep, God worked there, and yep, he worked right here, and that's great over here. But I want us to put ourselves for a second in their place. If you think about Abraham, the idea that Abraham didn't believe he and Sarah in their age could have children, but God is still telling them you're going to have descendants as many as the stars in the sky. Now, we know what happens, but he didn't. Think about Moses. All right, God has said to Moses, okay, you're going to go back and you're going to free my people. He left there a murderer. All right, not really a good place to go back to. Doesn't matter how many years it is, he's still dealing with that past. But see, we know how God came in and what he did, but he didn't. And you think about Noah. Well, Noah was told that his family would be safe and there would be a flood. And he had no idea what a flood was and he was going to build an ark and he'd never seen one. God has a sense of humor if you think about it. These things are going to happen, and he's like, we say it still today. What are you talking about, God? And then even the disciples, these guys that knew they weren't trained, they knew they weren't someone that should be behind a rabbi, and Jesus said, come with me. They had no idea what they were getting into. But they came, and they followed. So we see these texts, and we see these stories. Life with God. These individuals did not just one time come into his presence and then went on their merry way and did not give their lives to him and then wait and see what would happen. They did life with him. They had no idea what was in store for them. They didn't understand the journey, and I'm sure they had a lot of fears. So we think today about our lives and where we're going and how we were created to live and experience life with God. If we weren't created to do this, it probably wouldn't be so difficult. We were created to rely on him. So when we don't rely on him, we struggle because we're not doing what God created us to be. We don't know the journey that God has for us. We don't know all the steps, so we have to rely on him. I want to give you a little background uh, history this morning on uh, our text that we're going to look at in a moment. So for those that are in children's quizzing, some of this may sound very familiar because we're going to be in 1 Samuel here in just a moment. But just to remind you of kind of what's happening in 1 Samuel in the first 15 verses leading up to our text. See, first, God decided at one point he needed a priesthood. He needed the tribe of Levi to be responsible for the spiritual lives of his people, to handle the sacrifices, to do all the things basically that you would do 
to seek God. So in this process, you have in 1 Samuel, the sinful actions of Eli's sons. So they're priests, and they're doing whatever they please, and they're taking advantage of people, and they're not living the way God would have them to be. So we see Samuel comes on the scene, and as a boy, as he's raised there with Eli. So now Samuel is an adult. He is the priest. He's the one in charge. And guess what Samuel's sons are doing? The same things Eli's sons did, taking advantage of people, doing things for their own gain. And so we now see that the Israelites have said, we want a king like everybody else. So God says, sometimes he gives us what we ask for. And he says, okay, we'll, we'll give you a king. And so he anointed, Saul's anointed to be the next king. Well, that didn't last very long. And now Saul is not really following God. And so now they're in a position where they, they've had priests who are not doing what they're supposed to do. You've got a king who's not doing what he's supposed to do. And so God says to Samuel, it's time for a change. Well, when you're in charge and sometimes people say it's time for a change, you're kind of like, oh, I get to be the one. You get to be the one that's going to take the transition. You get to be the one that says, well, what do I do? And so over time, we see what happens in this text. So turn with me, if you would, if you have your Bibles or your phones, like I usually have, because honestly, my phone has a larger text, but I thought I'd use my Bible today because I love this Bible. I've used it for many sermons. And so turn to 1 Samuel 16, if you would. We're going to look at the anointing of David and that great experience and what happens step by step in this setting. 1 Samuel 16. And it's interesting because you can tell people are on their phones because you can't hear paper like you used to. All right? So 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Isn't that great the way God works sometimes? Get over it. Move on. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are there to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled, and when they met him, they asked, do you come in peace? Saul had a great reputation. The idea that the the priest was coming, not going to come in peace. So Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. And thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and he passed in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then sent Shammah. He had him pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all your sons? Is there still, there's still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. That sounds like an anxious priest. 
So he sent for him, brought him in. This was, he was ruddy with fine features and uh, ruddy appearance and, and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came on David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. What's really interesting is we're going to look at four things that take place in this scripture as we walk through the different steps of what's happening in this journey. So there are four things that are basically kind of important that are taking place. The first thing we see is that God has a plan. God always has a plan. God's plans are better than ours. We also see that uh, God had a direction. There's going to be a direction that you're going to go and you're going to do some things. Then God's voice came along all the way through that process until eventually God gave him peace. So let's begin as we look at this. First thing I want to do is kind of share a little illustration with you. Kind of a hands-on, like, object lesson almost. And um, we all process life a little differently. For some of us, we like to kind of know all the steps and what's next. So, for instance, we buy purchase, we purchase products all the time. This is my charcoal broil grill. This is my owner's manual. And uh, for some, they like to look in and make sure that they got everything that the, they were supposed to be sent. And they start counting up all the pieces and make sure it's there. Because how many of us have bought something before when something's missing? And you only know because of this. Until you get it put together. So you have people that like to follow all the steps. Well, there is a lot of steps. There's a lot of A's and B's and slots and all kinds of stuff. All right? So there are some of us that like to do that. We like to follow through. There are others that say, well, you know what? I want to follow for a little while. And then I'm going to kind of put it aside because I think I can figure out the rest of it. And then there are some of those who go, who needs directions? And they wing it. When I was 15 years old, my first job in a hardware store, they sat me down with a gas grill. Four hours later, it was assembled. And I was afraid to think whoever got it that it might blow up. And so when I buy my grills, I let Lowe's do the instructions. I let Lowe's go through and build it. So recently we got a grill, and I said, I'd rather buy that thing all done and ready to go. Because sometimes I don't really feel comfortable jumping ahead in these steps and assembling. I'd rather trust the one who knows what they're doing, just like God. I would rather he figure out my steps. I'd rather have his voice, I'd rather have his direction in my life than try to figure it out myself. So the first thing we're going to look at is God's plan. The first three verses, what we're talking about here is, wouldn't it be great if everything we needed to know, God would just tell us as clear as he told Samuel. Samuel wasn't looking for a plan. He was more, of being, it was more about being afraid of what's going to happen if he follows God in this setting. So fear can cause us to not uh, follow or seek after God's plan for our lives. We're afraid of what's going to happen. We're afraid of what he might reveal to us. So God gave him an excuse and said, well, just go in there and say you're going to do a sacrifice. Do those all the time anyway. It's going to kind of fly under the radar. So, so God gives him a sacri the sacrifice idea, and it's like, okay, go do this, and then this will happen for you. He kind of, God walks us through. He doesn't just give us everything at once. He just kind of walks us through, and that's what he was doing with Samuel. So we were created to have a relationship with God, and in that relationship with God, he's going to guide us and direct us 
in the direction he wants us to go because he's got the, he's got the plan. Not our plan, it's his plan. I was blessed uh, being raised in the church. Um, my great-grandparents were in the Church of the Nazarene probably when they first decided to be a part of a church or a denomination. And so I've watched over the generations my grandparents and my parents and, and their involvement in the church. And I know as a layman's kid, it had to have an influence on my life. I didn't understand it completely, but I know it did. And so in this process, I, I think about my life and my life with God and how it started off where I would understand His Spirit even as a child. For children in the sanctuary today, I remember at age five understanding exactly that God was calling me, but not what he was calling me to, but that he was calling. So at an early age, I know God was calling me to serve him. That's all I needed to know at the time is that I was going to serve and follow God with my life. So having no idea that this was all part of it, at age 12, I was at a junior high camp and I accepted Christ for the first time and sensed that I was following him with my life. And then I remember at about age 16, uh, sanctification was a part of my life. And then I remember going to Olivet for a red carpet day visit and sleeping on a floor and saying, I love this place. I want to come here. And so I'm in high school. I'm working in a hardware store. And, and uh, so I'm going the business route. And I decided this is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to do. God was like, do it. Go for it. It sounds great. So I think I'm doing God's will. And I at the time, I, I was. I was seeking his will for my life. So in this process then, I, I get to where I'm at Olivet, and then I discover all of a sudden that I'm glad you're here, but that's not what you're here for. And he began to change the direction. He began to change the direction for my life. And so in seeking God and putting him first in these positions and saying, okay, I kind of give up. Whatever it is, I'm for what you want me to do. I believe that steps of faith had to be put in place so that I could be in a position to obey. I think about the fact that God knows what he wants to reveal for us, and it's better than anything we can dream up. And it's better than anything we can think of. God has a plan for our lives, and he just wants to reveal it to us. Isn't that great? He just wants to reveal it to us. Finding God's will is not just for students or young people. There are those who are in college that are trying to decide, do I work now? Do I get more education now? There are people in this room who are now or soon going to be empty nesters. What's God's plan for you? There are people that are deciding on retirement. How much longer will I work? Will I stay in the area? Will I go somewhere else? There are people who uh, don't like their job when they get up in the morning and they're like, God, what am I going to do next? You are all doing life with God at some point. You are all trying to figure out what's the next step. Or maybe you're just kind of stepping along and you think, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm kind of here, aren't I? Yeah, we're just here. But there's more to it than just being here. And he wants to walk us through. At every stage of our lives, God is trying to do life with us and direct us. So that takes us to direction, verses 4 through 6. Samuel was looking for a king that had human qualities, tall, handsome. That was kind of the things that they were always looking for. It mentions it in Scripture. So sometimes God allows things to come across our paths. Did you know that he passed several options in front of, Dave, in front of Samuel? 
till David came along. For instance, when the first son comes along, oh, this is the guy. I think we have a tendency in our lives too quickly to go after the first option. Instead of saying to God, is this who you have? But he got better by sons two, three, and by the time he was just going, nope, nope, nope. I mean, they're just coming through. But then he kind of goes, I ran out of guys. What am I going to do now? You do have somebody else, right? And he was confident enough in God that he knew God had another plan and he had someone else. And that's where David comes in. So we live in a world where we have a phone, and when we need direction, we either push a button and talk to the phone, or we put in the address of where we want to go, and all the routes show up. Push another button, it's going to tell you, go right here, go left here, 200 feet. Oh, three, turn around, you passed it. You know, It's telling you everything. I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was an app we could have in our Bible? Our app we could have with our Bible, it, but the Bible is our app. We don't need one for our phone because we've got this and we've got prayer. That's our app. It's not quite as easy. You see, we're in a Google, a Google search society, and we want an answer, put it in. I'll admit it. There are times when I, as a kid, I would hear a verse, and you know, you, you learn Scripture, learn Scripture. And I, and I learned enough as a, as a kid growing up. I thought I did pretty well. But even now as an adult, it's like, well, where's that Scripture at? If you're ever trying to find a Scripture in the Bible, just Google it. Put the first five words in, and there's the Scripture. You can search a lot, but... You can also do it a quick way. God doesn't always want to waste our time. He wants to take us right to it. So we're in a society where we want a fast answer. We want to know now what's going on. There will be steps of faith we need to take on the journey. Those steps of faith are trusting in him. The steps of faith that we see in Samuel, okay, I'm going to take this cow. I'm going to go. We're going to do a sacrifice. Okay, I'm here for the sacrifice. No, I'm not. I'm here in peace. He's walking through all these steps. He was going the direction that God had for him. Not his own plan. It was God's direction. There's a story that I really like in John chapter 5 where Jesus comes across um, basically a crippled man who had been there for 38 years. And uh, I think we're going to see a picture of it. Um, The pool of Bethesda. There it is. I love the fact that we can see in today's world the pool of Bethesda. Jesus stood right there. Isn't that cool? When you think about the fact that Jesus had all the festivals, he didn't miss them. He was there to celebrate his father and to sacrifice and do all the things that they did. But Jesus is there. And there's a man that's there who'd been there for a long time. And John chapter 5 tells us about the fact that uh, the water that was in this pool... When it was stirred, legend had it that an angel touched it and that the first person in was healed. So it was kind of like a race. They all sat around the sides, and as soon as the water stirred, somebody helped somebody get in, and they would be healed. So this man believed this, and this man sat by this pool 2,000 years ago, just waiting for that to happen. And then one day, Jesus comes up and says, basically, do you want to be healed? Well, I can't ever get in the water. He comes up with the excuses. Now, remember, this man doesn't know who Jesus is. So there are people that come into our lives, sometimes they have suggestions for us, and they may be of God. And they help us with the direction of our lives. And so he's like, well, I I can't get in fast enough. Jesus, well, do you want to walk? Then take your mat and get up and walk. 
So he had a choice at that point. Does he trust Jesus? Or does he begin to go back to the idea of, but, if, but nobody can help me get in fast enough. Or did he move with something that he'd never even thought about? There are times in our lives that God directs us in ways we've never thought about. And sometimes that can be exciting and sometimes that can be terrifying. But God was leading. God was directing. Jesus comes into his path. So his choices were to stay there, try the water thing eventually, or trust. And his trust changed his life. There will be times, there will be steps of faith that we need to take on our journey. So the third thing we see is the voice. Verses 7 through 11, God's voice is just like, not him, not him, not him. I think there's one more. Ask for him. And what's interesting is Samuel didn't start this text off feeling comfortable that he was hearing God's voice. Because when he heard it, it was like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that, God. But by the middle and towards the end of this text, he was on fire with God because he was in sync with what he was saying to him. So in these verses, we see that Samuel's listening to God's voice and he realizes the next king of Israel is here. And that Jesse's son, David, would be the king. So one of my favorite shows is The Voice. What I like about The Voice is, is you have these contestants that sing, but you have these talented artists that have their back to the person singing. And if you watch their faces, they're very intent as they listen to the words. They listen to how the person is singing. They're listening to what they think they could do to help coach that person. They are listening very intently. And I think sometimes in our lives, if we would listen that intently before we make a move or we go to do something and we say, okay, God, uh, this probably wasn't the way to go. Could you give me a little bit more direction? Listening intently to his voice can make all the difference in our lives. So as we think about that and the idea that God is calling us to be careful listeners so that when his voice is speaking, it's very evident it's his voice. We're not guessing, well, maybe that's an option. We are understanding it and sensing it. His voice will guide us step by step. Then we also see a story in John chapter 10 that's really interesting. And it talks about Jesus as the good shepherd. And so the way it worked in Jesus' day was very simple. The shepherds were out there 24-7 with the sheep all the time, night and day. And there was a time when at night they would go into the sheep's pen. We've got a picture of that. I want you to take a look at this today. This sheep's pen is a place that had one opening, the sheep went in, and the shepherd would literally put their body in front of the gateway. So the sheep couldn't get out, and danger couldn't get in. They would sleep in front of that. What was interesting about that was it wasn't like their own pen. There were shepherds and sheep from all over that would come together and all share the same pen. Now, for someone who is kind of type A, that would drive me crazy. Well, whose sheep is that? And whose is this? And how, keep yours over there. And they'd have to worry about it. Sheep went in, mingled, mixed up, all kinds of things. But when morning came, it was time for that shepherd to leave. He'd call for his sheep. And his sheep knew his voice. And just those sheep came. And they would go out and have another day in the pasture. When the sheep know his voice... They come. They follow. That's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to follow. And the only way we can follow is we've got to know his voice. The last thing we see in the last two verses is God's peace. 
Samuel recognized in this moment that the king was in place and that he was heading back to Ramah, and he's feeling pretty good. We got the king in place. Just got to wait till it's the right timing. God's going to show us that. I know because he's been walking me along, and I'm starting to catch it this time. It, it just it was a good flow for him. There was a peace at this time. So I was one of those kids. I grew up late 60s, early 70s, and I remember seeing on the news how there were riots. I grew up in Detroit area, and I saw the riots, the racial unrest. I saw Vietnam, all these things. Of course, I don't understand what's going on. But I remember how people kept asking for peace. They kept asking for peace. And it was like peace in the world and, and peace in our country. And as I thought about that, as I was working on this message, the Lord kind of reminded me that peace is a state of being more than the removal of turmoil. You can have peace and be in turmoil. That's the kind of peace he's calling us to when we do life with God. When everything around us is out of control, sometimes if we can get to this level, we're like, all right, God, what do you got now? You know this is a mess. You know you need help. Where you at? Oh, there you are. Okay, I'm listening. I'm waiting. His voice speaks to us and directs us. When we trust in God's plan and direction, there is his voice of peace comes to us. We know he's got a plan. We know he's got a direction. We're listening for his voice, and then peace comes. There were some songs about peace I remember as one of those kids that grew up in the church. Some of those songs kind of go like this. There was, um, there's peace in the midst of my storm-tossed life. There's an anchor. There's a rod to place my faith upon. Jesus rides in my vessel. I'll feel no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of the storm. Maybe it was the passion of the person singing it. Maybe it was the fact that even as a kid, God wanted me to have peace because I thought, what, what's going on in my life that's that big? I'm a kid, but I still sensed the peace that that song, whenever it was sung, came. And then there was peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. We walk with God. He gives us peace. When we seek these kinds of things in our lives, he will direct us. Now, what gets kind of confusing here as I'm wrapping this up this morning is sometimes his voice comes and there's no direction. Sometimes we know there's a plan, but we don't have peace. And so to kind of muddy this a little bit, it can be all messed up in all different orders. But when one element is there, we begin to ask for the others. We ask God to kind of put it together. Faith is where these four come together. And it's where we learn to trust. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, if you would, as we just close in a time of prayer. No matter where you are in your journey today, God has a next step for you. He's calling you from wherever you are to continue in your walk to trust him for the future. Trust him. Surrender your fears for the future. God has big plans in store for you. Heavenly Father, this morning, we are in this place for a reason. You've called us to do life with you. As we're doing life with you, we want you to be the one that leads our way. 
We want you to be the voice we listen to. We want your plan for our lives. We want your peace in our, in our hearts. The transitions of life can be scary. But at the same time, Lord, you are with us in all the other situations so far, and you're going to be with us again. Help us this week to listen for your voice. Help us this week to just be thankful for the walk that you've created us to have in you. And we will give you praise in this journey as we continue to seek you. In your name, amen.